Welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic, episode 1.20, Eric Korngold Under Pressure, or John Williams and the Battle of the Planets. I'm Kelsey, that's Luke, and joining us is Izzy Breen. Uh, yeah, hi guys. Thank you so much for having me on the pod. Um, my name's Izzy. Uh, I, am, uh, I work in politics. Uh, I, I currently work as uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar's Deputy Communications Director, but much more importantly, uh, I am a big old Star Wars fan and and one of the, uh, I think, original founding members of the long-running uh, leftist Star Wars DM on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, you guys have been uh, trying to get me on the pod for quite some time, and I'm really, really happy to be on uh, talking about... Um, Probably my favorite single thing about Star the the Star Wars franchise. And that's the music. Well, now, do you have a background in music? Like, are you a musician, or nope. you just really like music? No, okay. When well, I was there you go. when I was in high school, well, all right. Uh, and when I was in high school, I was in the marching band. So actually, the answer is yes. Okay. I am a musician. Um, I uh, I was in the drum line. I played the snare drum. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I was never very good at it. Certainly not good enough. I went to college at UC Berkeley, and I thought about trying out for the band, but um, I was absolutely not good enough for that. That's a big ass, that's a big ass nerd band right there. That's all. Oh that yeah, that sure it sure is. Um, you know they do the whole high stepping thing. Um, oh yeah. They have, they have the, the funny uniforms and shit. Um, but um, and and I also. I did, uh, uh, you guys might know, the IB program in high school, and uh, I went mm -hmm. to like, uh, I, I went to a public school, but it was a bougie school, and uh, so it had a music theory class that I took. Um, I was oh, not, Jesus. I was not good at it. I have to be clear, I probably would have failed if not for a friend of mine, um, off of whom I cheated almost literally every test. Um, I was never able to read music, which was uh, like a core component of the class. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, this is mirroring Nick Cannon's journey in the movie Drumline very closely. Um, but so, no, I, I would not say that I have a background. <laughs> I would not say that I have a background in music, but um, because as soon as I got to college, I, uh, um, you know, I stopped, uh, whatever. But even, I will say this, even as a child, I, I think the first time I ever saw the Star Wars movies was... I was probably seven years old. Um, and I think the very first time was um, probably watching the VHS cassettes and, and uh, at my uncle, aunt and uncle's house while I was being babysat. But also the first movie I ever saw in theaters was the digital re-release of A New Hope um, before okay. The Phantom Menace came out. And, and I remember um, even as a child being so... It was the first music that I memorized and that I would sing to myself. Um, and I was just so captivated uh, by that John Williams score that um, I, I think that Star Wars is one of those things, you know, where you take out any essential ingredient from A New Hope and it flops maybe. 
Um, you know, you're, you replace Harrison Ford with a different actor. It doesn't work. You uh, don't have James Earl Jones voicing Darth Vader. It doesn't work. Um, but for sure, if you don't have John Williams doing the score, it doesn't work. Um, and that's always stuck with me. And, and to this day, um, the, the most, the most uh, absolutely assured way to get me to have some kind of emotional affect is to, you know, play a classic Star Wars uh, tune um, composed by John Williams. Well, now that just that just makes me want to like occasionally like play them on my phone and like see if I can get you to tear up. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Um, and you probably no, would, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's interesting because I. I'll be honest with you. I probably know the names of like five songs in Star Wars. Maybe like maybe five. Uh Um, It's one of those like blank spots for me. Not that I don't like the music or love the music. It's just, I don't know why it's just not the thing I noticed. But then like when I watch the scenes, you know, like I pick up on the cues and Mm -hmm. stuff, but I, I don't know. I just don't, you know, I just don't, uh, I don't know why. It's just one of those blank spots for me. Like how I don't know jack shit about any of the ships, except <laughs> for the, uh, except for the hammerhead. That's the only one I care about. The rest of them can burn. That's true. That's right. You're talking to, uh, the world's only Y wing defender right here. Absolutely I, I, not. How dare you? I, I should I should say that I and me and Kelsey both will. Oh good. Or at least I will. Right. We're we're among Kelsey might be doing it ironically, but I'm I'm doing it ironically and unironically. I so, have found that whatever that is. Only, whatever the word for that is. Not only are there Y Wing defenders, you will find a uh not insignificant contingent of like the military Twitter who will be adamant that the Y-Wing is basically the <laughs> A-10 in space and will fight you for saying anything against it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> they were wrong. I would never say they were wrong. They know my- Wait, I thought it was I thought it was like a B-52. Or am I, no, that's am the, I off? No, that's the bomber from, uh, from the, uh, the Last Jedi. Oh, 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 oh. With, okay. with the ball gun and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. The, the 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 purposefully slow bomber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like of you, you know you used 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 to watch like the Empire Strikes Back and you watch the scene with uh, the ATATs and you're like, God, could they have picked a less efficient means of armored <laughs> ground transportation? And you watch the Last Jedi and you're like, Oh, actually, the rebellion's even worse. <laughs> Just the absolute worst fucking designs. For a spaceship, <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll, like I mean, you know, I, I, I love the Last Jedi, but like some of the, some of the choices in that movie just baffle me. Like, I understand, I know, and Ron Johnson is a is a great director, and I am not a director, and I understand that. However, it baffles me how you are going to build dramatic tension by doing something that honestly reminded me of the uh, scene in Austin Powers where the guy's about to get run over by the um by the uh the steamroller 
the steamroller yeah and it, it reminded me of that i was like oh my god how fucking long is I, this gonna take well you know and you know what else it's it, there's just and this is one, one of the things i love about star wars is that there's absolutely no internal consistency in terms of yeah like technology right because how did how did luke destroy the death star in the first star wars movie with proton torpedoes which are basically bombs why can't you give the a-wings those that would take out that that ship. You don't need to drop a bunch of whatever. You know what? Bec- oh, and another because and another thing. I'm sorry. Um, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars has spaceships and faster than light travel and magic and and you know laser swords and whatever. But they haven't <laughs> developed a fucking missile. So I, I mean, only yeah. occasionally. The missile is only uh, the missile only shows up whenever they need it for plot reasons. That's right. Sorry, Kelsey. Kelsey, Kelsey if you're Kelsey, if you're gonna come in and give me some in-universe reason <laughs> for why they don't use missiles. Wait a minute. Do you know what kind of podcast you're on? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I am also Kelsey, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Absolutely delighted that we have promised our audience uh, chock-full talk of music, and I managed to derail it to Star Wars military technology in seven minutes. Yes, um, well done. Well done. Which is, which is, uh, well, I mean, you talked about a white wing, which is the only other type of ship that's going to get me to say anything, I guess, than the hammerhead. <laughs> and the reason why the A wing can't have uh, proton to, proton bombs is because that would make it useful. So that's right. You know. That's exactly right. Uh, all right. Let's talk music, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm um, sorry, Kelsey. <laughs> that's that. That is totally fine. We can skip right now. Um, so the quick things I wanted to throw in, right, was that the Star Wars is bound by the conventions of World War II movies, which is um, a really yes. interesting thing and what also, I think, helps emphasize the role of the... the um... We don't think about it, right? But, like, there are plenty of soundtrack choices or soundtracks that are great that would absolutely f- fail to underscore... Uh, Star Wars, and you if you move away from what like could also underscore a World War II movie, and not just a World War II movie, but like a World War II movie released sometime before 1965. Um, yeah, well put. I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. It's um, you know, that's this is the thing. I mean, it's it's so John Williams borrowed heavily from older composers, and he's one of these. Just like every musician has ever borrowed from the people who've come before him, that's what—that's how culture works. Um, and John Williams is one of those people who, yes, he borrowed from the past, but he also made it his own thing so much so that anytime you have a beautiful, sweeping symphonic score, you think to yourself, "Oh, this kind of reminds me of John Williams." He's one of those—one of those guys who has such a signature sound, and that sound is big and romantic and classic and orchestral um it's it's powerful uh opera music for what is at its core an opera i think yeah it it's um it's interesting because it's it's hard to separate how you know everything that happened in a new hope but then especially in empire you know to make it like i guess jaws was the first like really big summer movie Mm -hmm. um and then you know empire is like i guess the you know the next 
the way that like movies evolved. Um, and you know, he, he gets in on the ground floor there and he gets, he gets, um, the force theme and he gets the Imperial March. And at that point he's like cornered the market on like, you know, ridiculous, like, uh, cool themes you know like he, he didn't even have to do anything else he could have done you know like like those two things and called it a day you know? that's right yeah, done the rest of it with a kazoo and that's right <laughs> that's totally right and yet here we are with you know you you asked me to choose the top 15 best john williams tracks from star wars and it's still uh, we did uh, no, 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 I'm saying hypothetically. Thank God. No, yeah, that would have been I a have, lot. I have it if you want me to go down the list. That's fine. Um, you can. Go for it, yeah. Um, well, why don't, why don't we... Um, can we take a little bit to just talk about sort of the... So, some more of the background of John Williams here? Is that all right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. So, so I do have like a little script here prepared I, just to... So um, a lot of people don't know uh, that uh, George Lucas did a couple of things exactly right for Star Wars. And, and anyone who follows me on, on Twitter um, for my Star Wars takes knows that I um, hate George Lucas. Um, I think he is, uh, we should praise him. Sad. We should praise him Sad. for uh, shepherding Star Wars into the world as he did. Um, and we should deride him for everything else that happened after that. Um, but during the creation of Star Wars, he did a couple of things that are just genius. Um, and the first thing is that he pitched John Williams on the movie by describing it to him as a sort of silent movie. He said that he wanted um, people to be able to watch this movie and understand exactly what the story was and exactly what the emotional beats were, even if there were no dialogue. And this intrigued John Williams, and, and this was before he even agreed to do it, and he, in a later interview, said that he agreed to do it because of this pitch. Um, and then the second thing that George Lucas did is that he showed the very rough cut of the movie to John Williams um, using a, uh, a placement track, basically, where he placed lots of other uh, classical music that he thought fit um, the various scenes in the movie. And that's also where... Uh, uh, our episode's title comes from. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Eric Korngold, he uh, scored an old classic pirate movie, kind of in the vein of, of um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, what uh, shit? What did we? I, I've already forgotten what uh, what it was called. Um, King's Row uh, is what it was called, um, and and. George Lucas used the intro, intro song for King's Row uh, as the placement music for the intro. And if you, if your listeners, if you guys listen to that music, and I think we'll maybe link it in the description here, um, you'll see exactly how close it lines up. And everyone knows about how he borrowed heavily from Gustav Holst's The Planets uh, for the Imperial March and for the Force theme. Um, and the main thing that he borrowed from all of these composers is one of my favorite words in the English language, uh, the leitmotif. Um, the leitmotif is a classic operatic uh, musical tool that where a composer will connect a certain theme or a, a series of notes to a character or an object 
or a moment or a thematic element that will then repeat over the course of the show. Um, and we all recognize this in Star Wars, right? We know that the Force theme that we hear we hear for the first time during the famous binary sunset um, it reflects uh, a feeling of mystery uh, and, and possibility. We know that um, Luke's theme, which is also the, uh, introduct the intro theme, the title crawl theme, is used in moments of adventure and uh, heroism. The Rebel Fanfare, uh, it's the one that's like, we hear that when we see the Millennium Falcon. And when, uh, uh, I think most famously in Star Wars, when um, Luke and Han are fleeing the Death Star and, and they shoot down the TIE fighters um, using the, the Falcon's ventral guns. Um, and this occurs throughout all every Star Wars movie, including the uh, fairly maligned prequels and the unfairly maligned sequels. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and, and and we see this, for example. With, Jesus Christ! We see this with Princess Leia's theme, uh, which repeats pretty much any time she's on screen from the moment the first moment we see her um, on the Tantive Five, throughout every other movie that she's in. We hear it with um, uh, Han Solo and the Princess, which is the love theme that plays when uh, starting an Empire, when Han and Leia's romance starts to blossom, um, and it serves to tie the audience in to what's happening and serves to fit George Lucas's vision in the way that he originally pitched John Williams uh, as a kind of silent movie. You hear the music and you, you know instinctively in your body, in your guts, in your bones, what's happening and what's going to happen because the music tells you the story almost as much as um, the words that the characters speak and the images that you see on the screen. Um, all right, that's my that's my uh, music theory spiel about the light motif. Um, I think that uh, John Williams is a genius for using this technique. Uh, it's one reason why, um, you know, think about think about the movies. Have you guys ever gone to see um, a movie with an orchestral score, like like uh, played by an orchestra? You know, you go to the orchestra and they play the movie on the big screen, and they're down in the pit playing the music. Mm-hmm. So I, no, I've, I've never been to one of those, but I know what you're talking about. I, I highly recommend you check it out. They fucking rock. Um, but if you ever... Yeah, I'll, I'll do that when it's safe to go outside <laughs> right. again. Thank you. So in four or five years. Um, yeah. If, if there's still society or whatever. Uh, there's a reason why like the only movies that they do that with are Star Wars and Indiana Jones and The Lord of the Rings. Um, because all three of those movies use the leitmotif. And two of those franchises are composed by John Williams. And uh, um, uh, Eric Shore, the composer of The Lord of the Rings, also basically is the only person, I think, who makes music quite the way that John Williams is anyway. Um, that's that's my, uh, there's my, my little soapbox. We can move on. All right. I, I mean, yeah, that was... Uh... I, I had no idea what those words were before <laughs> just now. I'm not even kidding. I don't know jack shit about music, um, which uh, probably doesn't surprise anyone. Um, uh, but, you, okay, so you uh, have a, uh, a list, uh, a top 15, uh, I guess, we can, song. We can do top 10. Top 10, um, and okay. I, and, I'd love, okay. and I'd love to get, I'd love for this to be more of a conversation. I'd love to get your guys' input 
on this stuff. And this is, oh, my, yeah. this is my personal feelings about it. Um, okay. Well, oh, okay. Hold on. Let's start with number 10 and then go down. Sure. Okay. Um, so I think number 10, and this is uh, going to be strange given that I um, uh, have already shot on them a number of times, uh, would be Across the Stars from Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Um, it is a sort of play on Han Solo and the Princess, um, and it's the romance theme that you get um, when Anakin and Padme, you know, they're on Naboo, and he hates sand, and before they're about to uh, go into the, the, <laughs> the bug stadium that George Lucas blatantly ripped off of Gladiator. Um, it's a beautiful piece <laughs> of music, and uh, I think that... Um, one of the most consistently good things about the Star Wars prequels is the music. So that's number ten. Um, number nine, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull from um, uh, from the new movies, the sequels, um, and I'm gonna say it's the uh, uh, the March of the Resistance, um, which sounds a lot like the Rebel fanfare. Uh, it's also heard heavily in the track from The Force Awakens called Skirtso for X-Wings. Um, it's, uh, it's adventurous. It's melodic. Um, it's just like, just like the Rebel fanfare. It lets you know that the good guys are here, the cavalry is here, um, and they're going to win because that's what happens in Star Wars by and large. Um, I think number, number eight, and I'm prob- I'll probably catch flack for that, for this, is uh, the main theme, um, and that's Luke's theme. It's perhaps the most well-known piece of orchestral music in the world, um, more so than Beethoven and Bach, because it's pop culture. Um, and it's, it's a pretty incredible thing, I think, that uh, a piece of orchestral music is so... Um, is so carved into the bones of our culture um you play anyone anyone older than the age of six and younger than 70 um the first few notes of that track and they know exactly what it is um and uh it's also played in a couple of my favorite moments in star wars um the uh uh the scene where luke and leia uh repel across the the gaping chasm of the death star it's played there um oh their first kiss okay right exactly yes <laughs> um now i'm gonna take it take a quick now i have a question yes. why were you gonna get flack for putting for doing that oh you said you were gonna get i guess i guess just because it's the main theme and people want it to be ranked higher um oh okay I, i'm just kind okay. of i'm kind of a um uh, an iconoclast when it comes to Star Wars music and that the top three songs are going to be real deep cuts. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm a, yeah, yeah. number, number two, number two is like the random, random shit that plays when they're pulling into cloud city or something. That's not actually the case. Although the cloud city music is wonderful and beautiful. Um, they should have called it uh double clown cars. Whatever I don't, oh, well I don't. Really, yeah, good shit. I don't <laughs> even know what the fuck those things are called, but I love those things. Like, I, again, why would I? Why would I learn the, the real dumbest, name? It's the dumbest shit. 
what could what how could that possibly be useful <laughs> george lucas was like what, was what like, if there's two I steering want, I wheels want, what if there's two steering wheels and and they both look like clown cars and and like right Kazdam is if, like eh, he's like clown cars do it, do it. now yeah. so there, what, what if one, what if one so there are actual fighters Go ahead. built like that. Um, one of them is, um, it's a pretty clown car origin story, but the P-51 Mustang, a uh, iconic U.S. fighter of the world of World War II, was adapted for long endurance flights where they basically stapled two of them together with a central wing in the middle. And you would have two pilots and more fuel, and then you could fly a long mission Um that way and it was used in the korean war um and also uh jets were used in the korean war and that fighter doesn't exist anymore <laughs> amazing huh so yeah there's a very cool. niche purpose for it hey. it is not what you would need to patrol uh around the cloud city <laughs> uh, a cabantha gas mine yeah opening the gas giant of Bespin. I, I like to imagine I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up right now. I have to know what the dumbass canon reason oh, is. Oh totally, for please these do. Things. I like to imagine one of the guys has the gas and the other guy has the brakes. <laughs> and they're constantly like on the on their headset, like, no stupid, no, go faster. What if three toddlers oh, on a trench coat on a plane? That's right. <laughs> um Okay. Well, what, where where does that where does that leave us? Number seven, maybe. Um, I think. So. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna go ahead and um, pull up my my first deep track uh, and say the Battle of Hoth, um, and because the Battle of Hoth has a particular motif that's used in um, uh, one of my favorite, not my favorite themes. This is about kind of the themes and the songs. But my favorite long track of music, um, which is uh, the the outro in the final credits of The Empire Strikes Back, um, which is also, I think, one of the best scenes in all of movies. Um, okay, okay, hold on, I've got a question. Oh yeah. What are they look What are they looking at in the last scene? They're. I think they're looking at the galaxy, right? Uh, like they're looking at the so, galactic core. So that has. That was always my understanding of it as well. Um, but uh, apparently, like, th- there's not like a there's not a, a canonical answer yet. I think the only thing I ever found on it, like as a uh, like a firm answer, was like uh, Pablo Hidalgo. I think said on Twitter that he didn't think it was the Galactic Core because that it, it rotates too slowly to be one or, or something like that. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, he writes a lot of the canon. So, you I know, know, I guess yeah. it's, uh, I guess, you know, that's, that's kind of an answer, but you know, at the same time, he was also kind of like, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it didn't within yeah, outside of the canon within the, like, you know, the, the emotional layers of the movie, I always, regardless of what they're looking at, I just imagined it as like, Look, it's, it's, they've just, they've all, every one of them has just faced the darkest moment of their journey. And Han is in carbonite in the possession of, um, Mm -hmm. 
of Boba Fett. Uh, Luke just learned that Vader's his father and ha has his new robot hand. Um, Leia saw the man that she loved in Case and Carbonate, which apparently for her is like a more traumatic event than watching her home planet where everyone she's ever known and loved was destroyed, which she got over in like two beats. Um, hey, she hey she had to she had to be strong now. I don't I don't. That's true. Don't hear that, that is that is true. She was very <laughs> strong. She's our strong, our strong mommy. Um, and uh, <laughs> but so, but they're looking out. They're in hiding. The Rebel Alliance is in hiding because they were smashed at Hoth, um, and uh, now they're looking out at the galaxy from their hiding place in the outer rim. But thematically, they're looking at. The, bright, the brightness of the future. And then the, the Falcon jumps away and the rest of the, the, the rebel fleet slowly make their way out of frame as the music swells. It's one of, those, one of those scenes that I think is so brilliant that it couldn't possibly have come from George Lucas. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I know this is a very pro-Lucas podcast. Uh, so I apologize for shitting on your seat. Is it? I don't know if we're oh, very. Know. We've spent Is it? basically all of our time talking about the stuff that he said, yeah, do whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, Lucas is kind of like, it was his thing. He came, you know, he came up with it yeah. and he know he knows a lot about it. And, you know, I mean, like he, I mean, he wants to do stuff on midichlorians, but I mean, whatever. Okay, cool. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to see that, but I also don't, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. You know, I don't know. Sure. It just, I just don't, just not a thing, but you know, uh, I agree that, uh, that some of this stuff is, is weird. However, I did find out that there is an entire schematic for the cloud car um we oh, have right. uh it, i mean like we've got uh blaster cannons here we've got uh a pilot's pod and then a gunnery officer's pod so like i mean we're getting down into the nitty-gritty yeah so it's like it's like an f-14 tomcat one guy flies and the other guy really does the radar and shit i don't need like I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> Y'all are like, it's like an F. Like, oh, yeah. It's oh, like yeah. that, but you also I definitely have to, know what that is. But it's not a problem if one of you is full of farts. That's the big difference. That's true. Uh, it, unless unless that little uh, line between the two of you is also like a ventilation shaft. Oh, well, that's just Which, oh. in that case, like, you could probably do, you could probably do some, some damage to the, to the person in the other pod. You know, like, that's just that's the ultimate crop dusting right there. Pass it past an engine, so it's hot too. Ugh. Truly, classiest. Anyway, we've turned this we've turned this from uh, <laughs> music into uh, farts in the cloud car. But uh, yeah, no, uh, there's they don't they don't even have like a uh, they don't even have a bullshit reason for them. Just something Ralph McQuarrie drew. Like, yep, there it is. Looks like two shoes. Amazing. All right. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, you were on, you just did seven, is that right? Or I think I did eight something. just then. Okay, eight, so sorry. Moving on to number seven. We got classic Rebel Fanfare. Um, okay. It's uh, um, 
all all utility uh, version um, uh, light light motif for the heroes uh, put to put put to great use um, in the Force Awakens uh, in our when we're reintroduced to the Falcon and, and Ray and Finn um, fly away from the Tie Fighters I think um, number six moving on the Force theme. Um, classic, maybe other than the Imperial March and the main theme, the most recognizable piece of music from Star Wars. Um, the most famous scene there, obviously, um, is Binary Sunset from Star Wars. Um, number five, uh, Leia's theme, um, which was always John Williams' favorite. He said this many times in interviews. Um, that Leia's theme is his favorite piece of, of film music that he's ever composed. Um, and there's a really wonderful version of it that's almost eight minutes long um, called uh, Leia's Theme Concert Suite. Um, and it's just the most devastatingly romantic and, um, and emotionally compelling uh, piece of music. I think, I think um, it's... Uh, if you if you listen to Leia's theme, and then you listen to the light motif used for uh, Kylo Ren, um, the two pieces run together. If you put them side by side, the musical run fits perfectly, um, which I always thought was a brilliant little uh, twist there. He does so many of those little things. Um, number four, uh, Han Solo and the Princess. Uh, th that's our love theme. Um, for Han and, and Leia. Uh, and an, another strange take is, I think, used best in the in, in the last Force Awakens trailer, um, which we talk about regularly in our group chat as maybe uh, the best trailer ever made. I'm not sure about that, but it's, it's pretty good. Um, now we're on the top three. We can uh, take a minute and discuss if you guys like, or I, I can just run through them here. I mean... I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm just I'm trying to figure out where the uh, Imperial March is going to come in here. So that's the Imperial uh, that's March does for. not appear on my top ten, mm, mm, mm. which may be the hottest take of my list. Sus, suspect, absolutely suspect. Look, that's, the Imperial March is tight, but uh, and suspect. Yeah. Well, I'll let your listeners decide for themselves if it's suspect. Um, it's uh, okay. <laughs> Is there going to be a referendum? Yeah, on this that's issue? right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tweet at me, you fucking cowards! Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, you know it's you know what's far far better than the Imperial March is number three, oh, Ray's theme. Oh God! Uh, the first time the flute. I knew this was a mistake. The first time the flute is used in a primary leitmotif in Star Wars. Um, and uh, it's 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 lilting and it's adventurous and it's playful and it's delightful and I think it's probably the best piece of music that came out of the sequel trilogy. Um, number two, deep cut and a deeply underappreciated piece of John Williams music is the Asteroid Field. Um, this is the song that plays in The Empire Strikes Back when Han, uh, the princess Chewie. Um, and C-3PO are escaping the Imperial fleet and they fly through the asteroid field and end up um, uh, 
hanging out in the stomach of the space slug. Um, and it's just pure adventure uh, and, and, and wonder. And, and can you guys like, can you, can you guys put in, edit in a, a drum roll or something here? Yes. All right. Pretend that there's a drum roll. They're not actually going to do it. That's fine. <laughs> Number one, the best piece of music John Williams has ever, ever created. Yoda and the Force. Um, this is more or less Yoda's theme. Um, Yoda's leitmotif. But it's uh, the song that plays when Yoda famously lifts the X-Wing out of the swamp on Dagobah in The Empire Strikes Back. Which is also my favorite scene um, in my favorite Star Wars movie. And there you have it. The list, the musical list of a, of a Ab- John Williams Absolutely. Set. Absolutely suspect. <laughs> only one, only just one terrible. Song. Just awful. Only one song from the prequels. I, I, I mean, why, why would you care my opinion? I barely know any of the damn songs. <laughs> yeah, what, what do you guys think? What are your guys' favorite, favorite pieces of music? You don't need to know the names. Just, uh, just hit me. So I was um, trying to come up with uh, my list at the same time, and I had a uh, really jankily mistitled um, thing I was going off of. But I think the the big glaring omission to me, the one that like kind of seals it, right, is a duel of the fates, um, mm-hmm. which I think is that stands out as the singular track from the prequels to me. It's a weird mixing of feelings with that because it's like, well, I'm sure everything leading up to this was exhausting and boring and everything after it's going to be a little underwhelming. But this this moment right now, this is intense and good. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I... Yeah, Duel of the Fates is up there um, for me. The um, I'm trying to think. Um, the the way the Imperial March plays in, I think it's a major key. Um, with uh, when Vader starts throwing trash at Luke on uh, on Cloud City, is maybe my favorite like m- musical usage in the series or transition or you know however you want to say it but just like when it builds up to that and luke's just getting his ass kicked and you're like oh this is not going to end well for him is it like this isn't going to be like a new hope where he blows up where he blows the thing up and everybody goes home this is different (laughs) and then he got his hand chopped off and it's star wars yeah you got to get your hand chopped off right yeah not for ray Honestly, I mean, I don't really care. I don't really care what they call her, but <laughs> I don't think you can be a Skywalker if you don't lose an arm. Like, it's a good point. That's how you know it's it's fake and and wasn't planned out from the start. You know, like I mean, if she wants to take off her hand, you know, fine. I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other music I really like. One thing that always sticks out to me is the um, uh, in the Last Jedi in. Uh, Snoke's throne room um, when Kylo kills him and kills Snoke and the the force or not the force theme um, something uh, one of the damn songs starts to play um, slowly as 
you know, they're moving and the scene is very slowed down. And I always like that, but I don't remember. I don't know the name of that. The name yeah, of it's that. a great moment. Um, I, I don't think I remember either. I do think it is. It's the first, um, the first bridge uh, or, or the first um, light motif of the, of the four scene, the first like eight notes or something. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I also have to shout out to uh, like 15 seconds of Anakin's Dark Deeds, which is the uh, the opening, uh, the music from, from, from our uh, intro, uh, which is one of my favorite just little pieces of Star Wars uh, music. Um, and it comes from uh, part of Revenge of the Sith. Um, and uh, yeah. I didn't know the name of it until like uh, late last year. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. So now, so you've told us all of this. So what is, you know, like what is the, like the sound that you think of when you, when you think of Star Wars, is it like music or is it like a sound effect or something? Oh, it's definitely music, but I can tell you, I mean, when I think of the sound effects, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm a old softie and, 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 uh, um, how old are you? Uh, I'm 29. Jesus Christ. Um, okay. Uh, I'm a big sap. So for me, it doesn't get any better than the thrum of a lightsaber. Um, Yeah, I'm with you there. The scream of a TIE fighter. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, there's there's the sound effect that they use. They use so many different sound effects for the sound that uh, X-Wings make when they shoot their their lasers. But there's one that's kind of like a squirt almost. It's like, that I think is excellent. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never. No, I know. I know what you're talking about. I've never heard it described like that. That's like, awesome. Swang. You know. You know. Yeah. You know why I describe it like that? That's actually how. Because that's how they they did the uh, foley for that sound. They took. <laughs> they uh, no. This is true. They took the sound of liquid being squirted out of a container. Um, and yeah, like a, like a shampoo bottle. Exactly. Yeah. And they recorded it. Yeah. And then recorded it being played out of a really shitty microphone uh, or amplifier, and re-recorded that, and did that like three or four times until they had the sound that the X-wing makes when it shoots off its lasers. And so, fun thing about oh, well, there you the, go. The Star Wars laser sound is that um, as we live in a uh, real world where uh, directed energy weapons are increasingly a thing, um, they don't make sound on their own but the humans operating them found that so disconcerting (laughs) that they started playing star wars sounds and now they are programmed to play star wars or knock off star wars sound effects when uh the military fires fires its real life laser beams amazing that's so cool um, and and it, it reminds me it reminds me of one of my favorite little tidbits from the making of uh, the Last Jedi, which is that Laura Dern, um, Laura Dern, uh, if you if you watch her, there's the the scene where she uh, gets back or whatever at the mutiny, 
she like kicks up a, a little smoke thing and then she uh, hits them with uh, her her blaster set to stun. And if you look, her her lips um, are are like kind of pursed and it, it looks a little strange. And it's because it's because she was literally unable to stop herself from going pew pew when she was like trying to do the <laughs> thing. And so they kept it in. They kept it in the movie. I, perfect. Just perfect. I'm still trying to figure. I'm still trying to figure out why they just can't make the laser make a damn sound. Like it's a good point. Just give it a. Like I mean, <laughs> like, like I'm literally racking my brain because all you have to do is like just have like a, like a a chime like that. Like ah, whatever. Yeah, I mean that's what they I don't even know why right? I try they... to apply logic to the military. I'm sorry. Well, that is what they did. That's, just... that's what they did with the lightsabers to some degree, right? They finally had the technology to have lightsabers that actually had light in them, that they didn't have to rotoscope or weren't totally CGI. So they actually, you know, spread light um, onto the set Mm -hmm. um, in the battles. There's no reason they couldn't do that with the blasters with sound. Sure. No, I was, I was talking about the military, not, Not Laura Dern. No, that 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 Laura Dern story is awesome. No, I just I meant uh, I was talking about the military, which is my my fault. I don't know why I tried to apply logic to that. Um, <laughs> well, it's also very that, different too, uh, because it's not like yeah. little burst. It's like you hold a beam on something until it melts. Um, anyway, one of the- so wait, they have real energy weapons now. I thought that was like sci-fi shit. So we, the United States has built and deployed um, at least one directed energy weapon to the Pacific Gulf since I won this, or not Pacific, the Persian Gulf. Uh, I think it, the first deployment was in 2014, 2015. Um, they're huge. They take a lot of energy right now. There's like, they're working on like vehicle, like uh, truck sized ones, um, but you can run them on chips pretty, ah. and it'll be a long time before you can fit them on planes. But essentially what they do is they, they're like, they're heat. It's, or it's, um, I mean, it's light and heat and it's uh, silent and invisible to the naked eye. And you like hold it on a drone until you melt through a small drone and then it explodes. There's fun videos. It's a cool, normal thing in our cool, normal era. Um, but yeah, we've had these for a while <laughs> and the people operating them are like, we need some way to let the people know who are using this because they're firing an invisible um and silent beam that they're actually doing a laser thing and so star wars sound effects um (laughs) so speaking of using music oh man this stupid country this stupid gun sorry go ahead (laughs) oh it's okay i was gonna have just a rough transition but speaking of using music to make the universe feel lived in one of the pieces i was gonna list not because it's necessarily good but because it's super evocative and like i think just a really valuable uh piece of scene setting um is like the cantina band gets me every time um as like oh of course of course you're going to the place where scoundrels live and of course there is some version of jazz because what else could there be but it's like i mean i hate to heap praise on on family guy but like there there are like there are like 10 good jokes in the entirety of family guy and one of them is 
when they show the cantina band and they're and they like play the song and they're like does anybody have any request <laughs> all right last chance if not we're gonna play this again and they play the song again. he's like all right did someone out there say the song and he's like yeah play the song and, and like they just keep it yeah anyway that's a great i just ruined a family guy joke so yeah um good times i agree kelsey i like the cantina song it's it's good <laughs> I don't yeah just I just fucked that up big time so what is the best what movie has the best music the Empire Strikes Back okay outside of Empire and outside of A New Hope you can't say A New Hope either because well, then I'm just gonna fucking say Return of the Jedi bitch <laughs> surprising honestly I figured you would go with The Force Awakens oh The Force Awakens number um, four her I mean, actually, you know, I, I was just fucking with you. It may be, it may be that um, the Force Awakens actually does have better music than Return of the Jedi because the Force Awakens music is basically a New Hope's music with some new stuff thrown in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mo- all yeah, y- yeah, just like the movie. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes, um, which is why it's good and better than most of the new stuff they've tried. Um, I think. Uh, that's not the that's not the compliment you think it is. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, maybe not to you. <laughs> we'll let your listeners decide. <laughs> Do you like? I, I, I'll be completely honest with you. I think we've probably only ever gotten like 15 emails in the history of the show. Well, I um, hope everyone, like, do you think there's like a, do you think there's like a cabal or something? Out there? Uh, I my only my only hope in life is to make your podcast listeners really really angry um so i'm doing my best all right yeah you're doing you're you're doing a great job by picking you the yoda's theme as number one that's a hot take but right right a hot take yeah but um with with, if if we're all things being equal i do i think um you know it's hard to argue it's hard to argue with the empire strikes back as the pinnacle uh, mm-hmm. it, it takes it's it's pretty incredible actually I think I think Star Wars was was Star Wars is one of the best musical a uh, movie soundtracks score or otherwise ever made and John Williams was given the task of um, doing the sequel and somehow it was better uh, than the first one he took all of the things that he did in Star Wars, he refined them, he made them better, and he added in some of the best tracks that Star Wars has, including, yes, it's not on my top ten, but including the Imperial March, which a lot of people, even Star Wars fans, don't realize was not in Star Wars. That's true. But it is in-universe music, which I think is funny. That's fucking hysterical, by the way, and one of the greatest things that Solo, an otherwise forgettable movie, in my opinion, did. Uh, but but it was it, it happened before that, and what? the only it, it happened in the Clone Wars the, oh, the first show. the yeah yeah like maybe the second or third episode a droid uh, uh, one of the battle droids hums hums the theme while he's looking for something that is so he's funny like, mm-hmm, 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 and he gets like his head blown off or whatever that's hilarious. but yeah and it's just like so. 
it is a piece of extant music that exists in that universe to the point that a battle droid knows what it is. Well, it's like you have to imagine you have to imagine it in that case is like it's the Empire's anthem, right? It's like it, which also then really does provide some additional uh, like context because this fucking battle droid is sitting there like humming the Star Spangled Banner to himself, which like what a bitch move. <laughs> Well, but then you have to remember that the separatists are actually the forerunners of the rebels. That is that, the other way that is a good point, actually. Well, that's even worse then, because then the, then the battle droid, yeah, is Iraqi is. soldier who's sitting there in his hole, like humming the Star Spangled Banner. I like I like the idea that like Palpatine just stole something from like a like a club theme or something <laughs> like that like just some piece of music that's been out forever and he's like nah this is mine now and he just like has the guy killed off because he really likes that theme okay. and takes it from if we are tracing wow. this back to the logical origin of its appropriation then I imagine the senator from Naboo almost certainly ripped it from the Gungans. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Which now, now um, if you so want to you, create... you've, been, you've been pretty. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to ask our listener to uh, if they, if they feel inspired to create a instrumental Gungan rendition of the Imperial March, then please go ahead and send it to us. Yeah. Make sure it's not really racist, though, because I can see that getting really racist really fast. Yeah. Not because of our listeners, but, you know, just because of... Because the Gungans the second are all the You know, you know, uh, uh, Issy, you know, we're not going to... Uh, we're not going to talk. I'm just kidding. Yes, because of that. Yes. Um, so, now, you've been pretty hard on uh, the prequels here, and that's okay because, you know... All, all have sinned and fallen short of <laughs> Lucas. But um, uh, other than uh, Across the Stars, which you mentioned, yeah. what uh, what other music from the prequels do you like? Well, I think Duel of Fates is good. Um, I, I definitely don't. It doesn't evoke in me. It, you know, it's so funny that you guys bring up Duel of Fates. It doesn't evoke in me the same emotional response, but it has imprinted in me, on me, like in a... I don't know even the right word, almost like a personal historical kind of way in that it's like sometimes the music will just pop into my head the way that like music from a, mm-hmm. from a cigarette commercial that you saw 12 years ago is like stuck somewhere in the back of um, your brain. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, go ahead. All, all I was going to say is I'm going to tell you how it'll always get stuck in your head like it does for me. When I see sliding doors open, that I, oh, yeah. I see, oh, yeah. I hear, I hear Maul. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time, Look, all right, all every right. every it's single good time. Shit. It's good shit. Um, and and the main the main theme mm-hmm. of it, dun 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 dun. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know what else to say about it. It is a a cut of fucking genius that you can turn something so simple into something so memorable. And that is, in so many ways, the magic, not just of John Williams, but the magic of Star Wars itself. All right, all of that said, I think an underappreciated bit of prequel music is the Trade Federation Battle Droid theme. Um, it's uh, featured heavily in The Phantom Menace, huh. not so much in 
the later two. Um, uh, I, I wish we could play clips from it, but it's it's really good. It um, you know I I was recently reminded of it when I logged on to play. Um, uh, shit, what was I playing? I think oh I I played uh, Star Wars Empire at War on my computer for the first time in years, um, and it and it heavily <laughs> featured heavily features that music, um, and I think that you know. Uh, the mu- Anakin's uh, the music that plays when I don't know the name of this one, but when Anakin and Obi Wan fight on Mustafar is pretty good. Um, oh, it's um... ah shit, I forgot it. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah, I like that one a lot. One one other one that I'll add. It, it's kind of a cheat because we've already discussed the theme, but this is one of the things with Star Wars music, right? There's the themes, the light motifs, as we discussed, and then there are the specific tracks that play at certain moments. Um, there's a, a theme or a track in Attack of the Clones when Anakin um, is has left the Lars homestead and is um, speeder biking to go yeah. to genocide mm-hmm. on the Sand People on... Um, no, I don't think it's genocide. I think it's just a hate crime. He didn't kill enough of them for it to be genocide. Right, he, does a mass, it is... he does a mass shooting. Um, and, <laughs> uh, the music that plays is... He killed them all. That's right. The women and the children. He murdered them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he is the Dylan Roof of the Star Wars universe. Um, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. He, and, and so the music that plays while he is uh, flying, driving, I don't know which descriptor is right for a speeder... Um, over uh, to their little village is um, Duel of Fates, but it also uh, it also incorporates aspects of the Imperial March, um, which you know mm. uh, mirrors or is meant to foreshadow his inevitable turning into Darth Vader, um, and uh, you know it's it's I think um, cheapened by uh what happens on screen which is too bad but one thing that you gotta say about john williams is that he never misses um so the music is wonderful and um god imagine trying trying to make that scene work without john williams so did did he do did he do um anything with solo or rogue one he did not um Okay. Both Rogue That's what I thought. Yeah, both Rogue One and Solo had different composers, and so did um, The Mandalorian. Uh, I think that... Yeah. Um, I I personally barely like any music from Rogue One because I think it's too much like John Williams, um, really trying to emulate him without doing it well. I thought that Solo was much better because... Um, but also much less memorable because it was kind of doing more of your generic, almost like um, MCU superhero music. It was all very brassy and upbeat. And a funny, ironic thing is that my favorite track of music from Solo is a track called Reminiscence Therapy. That's literally what it's called on the album. Um, And it's all (laughs) based off of Asteroid Field and music from The Empire Strikes Back. So it's it's, it's, like, you might as well be saying like, here, this is what you want, you fucking piggy. and, uh, you know, that's that's what I like. I will say that I think outside of John Williams, far and away, the best piece of music created for any um, Star Wars property, and the, you know, including video games and the like, 
is um, the Mandalorian theme um, from The Mandalorian. Um, and, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it, it is that way uh, because it's so different than anything that John Williams ever did. It's almost like um, Ennio Morricone did a piece of Star Wars music. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's my favorite, um, my favorite piece of not John Williams, Star Wars music, uh, composed uh, by our man Ludwig Göransson, um, who is an Oscar and Emmy Award winning composer. I don't, All right, I don't, there you I don't go. know the names of the guys who did Rogue One or so long, off the top. That's that's perfectly fine. I I barely know the name of the guy that did uh, Star Wars. So, um, <laughs> um, well, uh, Izzy, thank you, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, it, did you have any more uh, music musical insights to give us? Um, if if listeners, if you if you are interested in Star Wars music, especially, there are a couple of other podcasts I can recommend. Um, the soundtrack show has <laughs> episode run on Star Wars music, which is really good. Um, and this, and uh, the art of the score also has a couple of episodes on each um, episode of Star Wars. And you'll find that if you listen to these podcasts, that basically every single word that I said on this podcast was basically just cribbed from that podcast. But I think that's okay because as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, uh, you stand on the people who have come before and you refine it a bit if you can. Well, there you go. Uh, it, it, we're gonna we're gonna try to uh, to put together a Spotify playlist of uh, of all the stuff we've mentioned here. Um, sure, you uh, you know everybody listening knows all these songs, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to put one of those together and see how that goes. Um, but uh, Izzy, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, you know, where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, et cetera, find, et cetera. find me on Twitter uh, at Isaiah underscore KB. That's I S A I A H underscore KB. Uh, and the only other thing that I would plug is um, my boss Ilhan Omar of Minnesota's fifth congressional district uh, is facing not what I would call a competitive primary challenger, but a well-funded primary challenger. Um, a centrist Democrat mm -hmm. who's raised uh, $2 million from uh, Republicans and corporate aligned Democrats um, because of his staunchly um, uh, pro occupation politics. Um, so I would encourage you to, uh, you know, hop on social media, uh, uh, follow, like, or fave Ilhan Omar's social media account. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on. <laughs> Go ahead, Kelsey. Yeah, and thank you all for listening to this episode of A People's History of the Old Republic. We will invariably, I'm sure, talk about the soundtracking to the games or other parts of this universe. And we will talk to you about something other than music at some point in the future. Very much looking forward to it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at PhotorPod. You can email us at photorpodcast at gmail. Com. You can send us questions and comments, and we will answer them on the show. I'm Atherton KB on Twitter. I'm at LucasAmazing on Twitter, and I better see some really angry fucking emails <laughs> based on this show. 
No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and may the Force be with you.